Man, I wish I could have opened up this show today with a little Blue Oyster Cult and Godzilla, but couldn't do it. It's copyrighted, but hey everybody, welcome to a bonus episode of the Bottom Dollar Outdoors podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about not quite Godzilla, but we're going to be talking about a huge lizard that has shown up here in South Carolina, the Tegu. More specifically, the Argentine black and white tegu. Uh, the title of this, as you've seen on, you know, here, whenever you're clicking on it, it's the tegu takeover, but it's um, a little bit overstated. But I just want to throw that out. It sounded good, so I put it in there. So the titles is a little bit much, but it's not quite that bad yet. I mean, damn, 2020's bad enough as it has as as it goes. I mean, we've had. Everything going on from the COVID, things going on politically, riots, this kind of stuff. And then we had, what, murder hornets was the first, like, animal thing going on. And, I mean, what else do we need? And now we have this huge lizard that has shown up in South Carolina and not just in certain places. It has shown up across the state. So what is going on is there's a a large lizard, it's called, like I said, the Argentine black and white tegu, that has, it's an invasive species, a very, you know, good, apparently, uh, pet lizard. It's similar to a monitor lizard, savannah monitor, somewhere in those lines. Uh, apparently they make good pets. I don't know. I've never had any kind of reptile as a pet, but they're very big in the trade of exotic pets. But apparently some of these things have gotten out. There's a bunch of them. They've, they've kind of set up shop in a lot of places in Florida. There you have, in they are a couple of places in Georgia where they have shown up. And now we have them here in South Carolina. I had a, got an email Back in August from SCDNR. At the time, I was like, well, this ain't that crazy yet. So I kind of ignored it then and didn't want to kind of bring it up. But on August 21st, 2020, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources put out a publication. An article says the first sighting of the black and white tegu lizard was confirmed in the Midlands. Like I said, this was on August 21st. Of this year. I'm going to read the article here. This is from South Carolina Department of Natural Resources. This is the uh, article they published on their website. South Carolina documented its first black and white tegu lizard, a species popular in the pet trade in Lexington, after SCDNR social media post in May informed the public about the non native lizard already established in both Georgia and Florida, likely as a result of release or escape from, you know, people letting them go or escaping from enclosures. As a SEDNR staff have been monitoring the situation closely and have received multiple reports since May from Lexington and Aiken counties. No previous reports could be confirmed. The individual moved from Lexington County was an adult female measuring about two and a half feet long. However, black and white tegu lizards can reach up to four feet in length and weigh more than 10 pounds as adults. Tegus are voracious omnivore lizards 
They eat a variety of prey, including birds, small mammals, reptiles, amphibians, fruits, vegetables, insects, and eggs. Uh, so their quote says, The introduction of any non-native species can have serious negative impacts on native wildlife. Black and white tegus are no exception, said SCDNR herpetologist Andrew Gross. Tegus mature and reproduce quickly, though most concerning may be their preference for eggs and the potential impacts to our native ground-nesting birds like turkey and quail, as well as other species such as state-endangered gopher tortoise. The SEDNR asked people to report any sightings of black and white tegus in the wild to Andrew Gross. His email is uh, grossea at dnr.sc.gov. If possible, please submit a photo, location, and time and date the individual was seen. It says here in bold letters, As a non-native species, tegus in the wild of South Carolina are not protected by state wildlife laws or regulations. So, so what, you're see, what is happening is this uh, lizard, like I said, it's a, it's a huge pet uh, species. They, I've watched some videos of people who own these things. Man, they act like dogs in captivity. If they're well socialized, I mean, people have them as pets and leave them like loose in their house. Apparently, they're smart enough they can be potty trained or um, they can use a toilet, not a toilet, but they have an area they can be like trained, house trained, basically. So, I mean, they seem to be intelligent, they seem to be good pets, but they get very big. Some people can't handle them. Uh, The smart people pass them on to people who can. And people who aren't very smart uh, have either released them into the wild or let them get out in the wild. But these things have set up shop in Florida. They're a, you know, Florida is a tropical type climate. You know, there's a big thing going on now down there with uh, boa constrictors and different uh, constrictive snake species. Not to mention, you know, uh, iguanas, things like that, big lizards. I mean, it's the perfect habitat for them. From what I have found about the Argentine tank or black and white tegu is that they do better in cooler climates, not necessarily cold climates, but more hospitable to South Carolina's type of climate. Where they come from in South America, they are, you know, they're native to South America. They come from a very similar climate to South Carolina, kind of a subtropical-ish rainforest type of area, cooler temperatures, not tropical. So this area seems to be a really good habitat for them. You know, uh, Georgia, down that way, uh, all the way up through the Midlands of South Carolina, is a basically a perfect habitat for them as far as temperature goes. They can, they can withstand the cooler temperatures that are here other than uh, iguanas and things like that who like a tropical climate like you find more in Florida. Um, I have seen you know, people say, oh, well, they'll just die off when winter gets here because it'll get too cold for them. But like I said, they, they do better in a cooler climate. And they can also go into a hibernation state where they can, when it gets cold, they can burrow and hibernate through the winter. And whenever temperatures come back up, they become active and come back come back out and peripherate. Like 
apparently pretty quickly. So places uh, that these things are established, even if it is a little cooler than what you would say, find these things in the wild for the most part in other places in the world. If they could get into, you know, now here in the upstate, now we have armadillos. We didn't have armadillos here 10 years ago. There was none. You'd never seen one. Now you see them dead on the highway all over the place. They moved in just like feral hogs. They came from wherever they came from, set up shop here, and now we can't get rid of them. Well, let's say, you know, these tegus, they're pretty voracious. I mean, they're, uh, from what I can gather, they're very big. They're very strong. They can displace an armadillo and get in his burrow and basically hibernate through the winter. That would be my thing. Or if they could get underneath a house somehow or another, get cuddled up with a, a water heater, I mean, that's a perfect place for them to spend the winter. So they have ways to survive in colder climates if they can if they can adapt to it and figure it out. So if they can get established here in South Carolina, it's going to be very hard to get rid of these things. So, you know, you go on about it, and yeah, I'm gonna give here. I'm gonna play a video, and all you're gonna hear, like I said, all you're gonna hear is the audio. I'm gonna put the video on bottomdollaroutdoors.com so you guys can watch it. It is made by Georgia's Department of Natural Resources. But the same thing applies here. If they're setting up shop here, then what this man's going to say does apply here. I hope they don't mind that I play this. I didn't ask. It was on YouTube, which is a public forum. So we'll play the audio for you. Let this man describe the animal and why it is such a detriment to our native wildlife. So hang on a second. I'll play this for you. Hi, I'm John Jensen with Georgia DNR Wildlife Conservation Section. And we're here today at the Amphibian Foundation in Atlanta to talk about Argentine black and white tegus. Argentine black and white tegus are a large lizard, not native to the United States. It has become established as an exotic invasive species in several sites in South Florida, and we now believe in the Tombs and Tattnall County area of Georgia. We're trying to remove them from the wild because they can have negative impacts on our native species. Um, they eat just about anything they want, plant and animal matter, and one of their favorite foods are eggs from ground nesting animals such as gopher tortoises, our protected state reptile, uh, birds including turkeys and quail. They're also a burrowing species. They'll make their own burrows, but they'll also use the burrows made by other animals, including our native gopher tortoise, and they may displace gopher tortoises in doing so. So we really encourage the general public to report sightings of this animal. That allows us to uh, determine where to focus our trapping efforts in an effort to eradicate this species. Additionally, if you're able to safely and humanely dispatch of the animal, we encourage that and we want that information too. Argentine black and white tegus are in general kind of black and white and banded. They can get up to four and a half feet long. Many of the public that encounter these often report them thinking that they look like a baby alligator well away from the water. These are very common in the pet trade, but we ask folks that keep these as pets to be responsible and if you've come to a point where you no longer want this animal there are reptile adoption groups that uh, may take it and try to find a home releasing it into the wild is the absolute worst thing to do it will affect our native species and we can't have that so there you have it that is straight from uh, georgia's department of natural resources wildlife resources division that is 
the official video that they put out trying to, you know, educate people in Georgia on what's going on there. Well, you know, we had the one sighting a month, uh, a little over a month ago or so in Lexington. Well, this came out yesterday, uh, September 10th, 2020. It says, eight additional non-native black and white tegu sightings confirmed in South Carolina. The South Carolina Department of Natural Resources have confirmed eight additional sightings of the non-native black and white tegu since the initial report from Lexington County in August. Five of the sightings were from Lexington and Richland counties, two from Berkeley County and one from Greenville County. Of these, five tegus have been successfully removed from the wild. Due to the establishment of the black and white tegus in Georgia and Florida and the potential impacts they could have on ground-nesting birds like turkey and quail, as well as other species like the state-endangered gopher tortoise, SADNR staff have been monitoring tegu reports and information closely. Quote, the number and distribution of black and white tegu reports in just a few weeks is concerning. Documented sightings come from as far as north as Greenville County and as far south as Berkeley County, says state herpetologist Andrew Gross. The individuals removed measured between 2 and 3 feet long and consisted of both male, females and males. Necropsies showed tegus have all been scavenging native plants and animals, including toads, various insects, and muscadines. This indicates that individuals are wild, free-roaming, and foraging opportunistically. It is important that the species does not establish itself in our state. On August 21st, it kind of talks about the previous article says uh provided uh on august 21st SADNR provided information regarding the first confirmed sighting of a wild argentine black and white tegu in south carolina and asked members of the public to report any sightings of wild tegus to the department after this request for information more than 80 reports of black and white tegus in the state have been received the SADNR appreciates the willingness of South Carolina's residents to provide information to help protect our native wildlife and protect the establishment of non-native or prevent the establishment of non-native species. SADNR continues to investigate all reports and asks that any sightings of black and white tegus in the wild be reported again to Andrew Gross. His email address, I'm gonna put it on the website, but it's uh G-R-O-S-S-E-A at DNR.se.gov. Says also again, when possible, please submit a photo, location, and time and date the individual was seen. Again, it goes to tell you that they're non-native species. Tegus are not protected under state wildlife laws and regulations. Should be removed from the wild. They left that there. It's kind of a say, hey, get them out of here. So that you know, this means a lot to me. Sorry, I had to hit uh, the cough button. But um, man, this this year, as crazy as it has been, has been a really good year for wildlife, especially here on my place. I have seen lots more turkey. I mean, my flock has really come back. They kind of died off there for a while. I guess they died off, but the numbers got really down. Where I was only seeing five and six toms at a time, and just a few hens. Where this year, I counted uh, back in the spring before they split off under bachelor groups. I had I was seeing uh, groups of 20 hen and 15 or so toms of various ages. So to me, that shows that uh, turkeys are starting to proliferate and come back here. Uh, like I said, for a while there, the numbers dropped for whatever reason. Don't know why. To me, I have an idea. It's feral cats. 
and I have done some work on those numbers of the feral cats, and I have seen those numbers come back up. And the biggest thing that I have seen since I've done the work with the feral cats here around this area, I have, for the first time in years, I have finally had a summer full of hearing Bob White quail doing their mating calls. I mean, the whole first part of the summer. Matter of fact, I, I even got annoyed with it because I had one out here in the field beside my house and every day waking me up out there doing his call, doing his thing. But, man, it's a sound that I absolutely love to hear, and it's so nice to have it back. Well, you know, here, I've done my work with the feral cats, and now, you know, now I've got armadillos to deal with. Armadillos are opportunistic. They'll eat eggs also. If they can find them, they're like, everybody calls them possum on the half shell for a reason. Possums will eat eggs. Armadillos eat eggs, skunks. Hell, used to the only thing I had to put up with was what was here. Now I've got feral hogs. Now, well, not on my property, I don't have feral hogs, but here in the state, we have feral hogs. They're spreading like wildfire. Armadillos are spreading like wildfire. Like, like I said, they're everywhere now. And now we have this damn thing. Now we have this lizard that a lot of uh, irresponsible people have let go, released, and allowed this thing to set up shop. So it is it is something that is very detrimental to, or can be, or may be eventually very detrimental to our uh, wildlife here. Um, I've seen some comments of things like, oh, well, now the alligators have something else to eat. Well, that is true. The alligators will eat these things if they can catch them. But here's the deal. While the alligators may eat them, if they can get a chance to get in there, they'll eat alligator eggs. They'll dig into a, a nest if they get the chance and get in there and eat alligator eggs. So there you go. They kind of have a another leg up on their predator there. They'll get in there and eat alligator eggs. They'll eat baby alligators. They'll eat baby frogs, as you've seen or I read in an article. They'll eat toads, frogs, lizards, baby birds. And from what I gather, they'll eat baby birds. Like, say, you have a brand-new nest full of baby quail or baby turkey. They'll eat the live. Not only will they eat eggs, they'll eat the live ones. They're opportunistic. They're very big. I mean, these I've seen some of the, the ones in captivity get up to four feet long, weigh up to 50 pounds. And if anybody has ever been around a, a large lizard knows, these things are fast. They're not some little lumbering thing, even though they look like they're kind of goofy looking, but these things can run fast and they're very strong, have huge claws made for digging and really strong jaws. I mean, they can bite and they have a lot of power and can overtake small animals, small birds, small mammals, uh, Basically, they need small pets. I mean, these things are big and they're powerful and they're destructive. They do not need to be in our ecosystem. They were not put here originally. They didn't come from here. Our ecology here is, doesn't have it. It's not built around these things like it is, say, where they come from in South America. And this is one of the things. Uh, I'm going to step on some toes. I'm probably going to piss some people off, but I don't care on this. Look, I understand that people like to have these things as pets. But we did pass a law here in South Carolina that says that you can't bring animals in from other parts of the outside the state. So if you're doing that, stop. And if I ever catch you, I'm reporting your ass. But if you're a breeder of these things here in South Carolina, it's on you. If you're a breeder of these, you have these things. 
these are your pets. Man, it's on you to keep them as pets and do not release them into the wild. Man, it, it really... It, it's on those people. It's on the people who have the exotic pets. And this is them getting out and getting released into the wild. It's their fault. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pull any punches on this. It is. This is 100 the fault of the exotic pet trade. And the same thing with the invasive snakes and lizards in Florida, once in Georgia. It's all on the people who buy these things and sell them and breed them, raise them, whatever, and then they get too big, and they release them into the wild, and it has huge impacts on native wildlife. And like I said. These guys, they put on their, you know, you know, the number one thing they want to do is get rid of them. Uh, South Carolina DNR, like I said, they put that statement up there. They're non-game. So they didn't quite say you can kill them or they didn't quite say you can't, but they are non-game. They're not, or they're an invasive species. Get rid of them however you can. Uh, and I keep seeing people saying, oh, don't kill them. They're so sweet. Oh, they make good. They're almost like dogs. Yeah, they are when you have them in captivity. And they're socialized. When you release these things in the wild, they become wild and they revert back to their natural instincts. Once they're wild, they're wild animals. You're not going to bring them in. You're not going to make pets out of these things. It's just like wild dogs. You're not going to catch a wild dog. You're not going to catch a wild hog. You're not going to go catch a feral cat for the most part and make it a pet in your house. It's not going to happen. So if you see one of these things in the wild, this is how I would handle it. Shoot it in the face. Kill it. If it's safe to do so, kill the damn thing. Then, once it's dead, or if you can capture it in a building or a a trash can or something, fine, whatever. Turn it, call DNR, South Carolina Department of Natural Resources, Mr. Gross, call him. Give it to some, get DNR to come out here and get it. So they can study it. What they're going to do is they're going to euthanize it. They're going to kill it. They're going to study it. They're going to cut it open. They're going to do necropsy. They're going to see what it's been eating on. And it's, you know, that kind of gives them an idea of its diet and what its potential impact is on our wildlife. Like I said, if you do see one, I'm sorry, shoot it, kill it, uh, wrap it up in plastic, throw it in a deep freezer until they can get there to get it. Because I'm, I'm telling you, and one thing, I mean, there are some, and look, if you're too, you know, if you're, into animals and things you don't want to kill this thing you don't want to turn it even to dnr and you don't turn over dnr i'm gonna go ahead and say this and i mean this in the nicest possible way if you don't turn this thing over so they can study it and figure out you're a fool if you love animals as much as you say you do look yes it is an animal it's not the animal's fault whatsoever that it's there it's the fault of the people who are in the exotic animal trade who are irresponsible and let this thing go or, you know, I mean, it's their fault. I mean, I'm not going to pull a punch on that one. That is exactly what it is. Irresponsible pet owners. I mean, there's a lot of great people out there. I have a very good friend from my childhood who specializes in reptiles. He's an amazing guy. He has a lot of different animals, does a lot of education with them. And he's very responsible in what he does. However, there's a lot of people out there that go to the flea market, they go to these weird pet shops, buy these things, 
It's like, oh, cool, a little lizard. I'm going to buy this thing. Well, that little lizard grows up to be 50 pounds and is taking over their house, shitting all over the place, eating them out of house and home. They're like, well, I can't take care of this thing. I don't want I don't want to look I don't want to be berated or bullied or made fun of by other pet owners. I'm just gonna open the door and let it out. And that's what they do. Or that or they take it to a park, they take it to the woods and they just throw it out. Well, this thing is gonna eat. I mean it's going to. It's gonna find whatever it is. It reverts back to its natural instincts and it's gonna, like I said, it's gonna eat. And it pisses me off at this thing, while it's not its fault it's out there, it's gonna go out there and it's gonna kill turkey, it's gonna kill quail, uh, it's gonna get out there and it's gonna eat. You know, even the, everything down to uh, our little birds that lay their eggs around here. I mean, it's not just turkey and quail. It, it They're detrimental. I mean, they do eat, you know, muscadines. Like I said, they're opportunistic. They'll eat anything they can get their mouth on that they can eat. They eat carrion. From what I've seen, they'll eat dead animal meat, uh, some mushrooms, uh, crops, that kind of stuff. And another thing I did read, and just like a lot of different uh, reptiles that are non-native, they do carry non-native diseases. So let's say, you know, we have a lot of reptiles here. We have, you know, very beneficial ones like skinks, uh, different frogs, toads. While they do eat these animals, they can also pass off diseases to them that are not native to this area. I've been, a, I have harped on this when it comes to mammals. If you catch an animal like a skunk, or a raccoon that's on, or a possum that's on your property causing issues, and you take it somewhere else and let it go. Not only are you adding animals to an environment where there's a set number already, it's already at equilibrium, now you're adding more animals to it, and now that animal has to compete for territory, food, and other resources. Not only that, it's going to pass on disease. Let's say you take an animal from Greenville County, that may have been exposed to something. You take it down to Abbeville County and you release it down there. Those animals down there have never been exposed to this disease. Now they have it with no way whatsoever to protect themselves from it. They don't have the immunity to it. Wipes out that group of animals, causes a lot of stress on that population. You can do the same thing by taking these animals and releasing them somewhere else. Unless you... And I'm going to read a comment that was on the video that I played earlier. This gentleman makes a, you know, he has a feel, he has feelings for these animals. I understand that. I really do. But he, he makes a couple good points. He does. Uh, makes some points about things, but he has a very utopian view on it. And I'm going to, once I'm going to read this, I'm going to kind of shake it down and tell you the truth and what is really the real deal about this. Uh, on the video, there's a comment by uh, someone on YouTube. His uh, handle is Asian Man. This was made three months ago on the video that I've played earlier. He says, "Just remember, it's our fault that these are that they are here and that we are invasive as well." See, he's got a point on that. I mean, it is. I can say it's our fault. It's the people who own these animals who bought them and didn't know what they were getting into or don't care, whatever. It's their fault. It's the people who breed them to sell these things to people just to make them dollar. So it's their fault. And he goes on to say, we shouldn't kill or euthanize them because we released them. Well, yeah, you should. Yeah, 
No, I didn't release them. We didn't do nothing. Irresponsible people did who caused this on the animal. And just because you released one doesn't mean it was a pet. Once they reproduce, you know, then they're not necessarily pets anymore. They're wild animals. He goes on to say they are highly intelligent and don't deserve to be killed because a few people did the worst thing you can do to such a large and hardy reptile. You know, I they may be highly intelligent. I mean, I've seen the videos of how they're trained. I mean, they act like dogs with people who have them as pets. They're huge, like weird, scaly puppies. I mean, it's it's weird to me. But you taking your releasing things in the wild, it if you if you're such an animal lover, you you can you know what it's gonna do. You can if you're an animal lover and you got a half a brain and you know what these things eat because you raised them, and then you release them to the wild, knowing the damage it can do, you're an asshat and a bastard for doing it because you're not an animal lover. You just loved your animal, but you didn't want to be made fun of on Facebook for trying to find a new home. And he goes on to say, instead we should be funding shelters to either put them up for adoption with background checks to make sure they can be properly cared for, or we should bring them back to their natural habitat. Okay, so we're going to raise a lot of money, and we're going to take wild lizards that are not socialized and try to put them up for adoption. Okay, like I said, these are wild animals at this point. They've never been around people. They're not going to make pets. They're going to be a pain in the ass, and whoever ends up with them, can't handle them. I mean, unless they have a refuge, they can put them in that they absolutely cannot escape from. Has a similar habitat to where they came from. It can be fed, taken care of. Then, and that's very few places that can actually do that. While and it goes on to say, killing should only be done when capture isn't possible. Technically, if you can kill it, you can capture it. If you have the means to do so. Like I said, the man has, or yeah, Asian man, so I guess the man has a point in a lot of this, and he has a very utopian idea of it. But breaking it down, these are, once they get out and they get established in the wild, they are dangerous. Well, I guess even to people, I mean, these, uh, they can even, uh, they're very territorial, especially during mating season and when they're adolescents. They can be aggressive. Like small pets, small dogs. I mean, this thing can get, like I said, get up to, they said to get up to 10 pounds. Like I said, the ones that are in captivity up to 50 pounds. These things, I mean, a small dog ain't got a chance against one of these things. I mean, this thing's got a very powerful jaw. They have teeth. And they're, like I said, they're very strong and fast. If they want to take on a small dog, that little puppy ain't got a chance. Uh, cats, I've, I've seen where they even have a, big impact on aquatic uh, wildlife. Like, they'll eat crayfish, uh, small snakes, like I said, again, water frogs. They will eat anything they can get their mouth on. So While they are very cool animals, they have their place. And if you own one of these animals, be responsible for it. Like I said, I'm not calling you out because you have one of these. Uh, I'm just not. I mean, I'm not making... I'm not calling you out because and saying that you're a bad person for owning one, having one as a pet, is the people who are irresponsible pet owners and breeders. 
So, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. If you see one of these things and you take pictures of it and you send it in and you post pictures of it on social media, what's going to happen is you're going to get messages from different people saying, oh, catch it. I'll take it. I'll take it. I want it. Don't kill it. Don't turn it into dead. It's going to kill it. Be aware of those people. Unless they are a approved facility for taking in reptiles. And I mean a very responsible, do your background, because do not just give this thing to Harry Joe down the street who said he wants it because he likes reptiles or has some other reptiles. More than likely, what he's going to do is he's going to take this thing and he's going to sell it to somebody else. Somebody unsuspecting, probably, who doesn't know anything about it, and it's going to get re-released into the wild or killed anyway. So all he's going to do is get it and make some money. I mean, I I looked into some of these so-called rehabilitation places or adoption agencies, just looking into them. And there were some beware people, you know, they have comments and reviews. And people who've worked for these places say, you know, all we did is we got them in and we resold them immediately. We found people who wanted them, we resold them. Don't care who bought them. We just wanted to make some money. I mean, these things go for anywhere between, you know, $100 to $600 a piece. I mean, I probably shouldn't have said that now, but yeah, I'm going to probably edit that part out, but maybe not just kind of give everybody, you know, be, it just gives you the idea to be aware because people have bad, bad, uh, just bad ideas of what they want to do with these things. Just don't do it. Be very careful about who you talk to about this. The best thing to do is if you're in a safe situation, you see one of these things, you have the ability, kill it. Shoot the thing in the face. Kill it. Wrap it up. Once it's, you know it's dead, because do not touch this thing, because reptiles, I don't know if you've ever dealt with snakes or uh, snapping turtles or anything like that. The animal can be dead, and they can reflex bite. They're it takes them a long time to kind of quit moving around. They can scratch you. They can bite you, even though that they're technically brain dead. It's just something that reptiles can do. If, and they can still hurt you. But once you know it's dead, take this thing, wrap it up, or leave it there. Call DNR. Let them come and get it so they can do their research on them so we can get rid of these damn things. We do not want them here. We have to get rid of them before they set up shop and become another problem like armadillos and feral hogs or down in Florida like you got with your boa constrictors who are in those types of snakes and iguanas who are just decimating native wildlife. I mean, you can, I've heard the horror stories of what's going on in the Everglades. These things are there. And you got the big snakes. I mean, these exotic reptiles are taking over the Everglades. And we don't want that here in South Carolina. I know I don't. So how I would handle it, if I walked outside right now and it was one in my yard, it's going to die immediately. I'm going to go in the house. I'm going to I carry when I'm outside most of the time. It's going to get a face full of bullets. I'm going to let it lay there. I'm going to call DNR say, come get this stupid thing and do your research on it. If I kill more than one, who knows? I wonder what they taste like on the smoker. Uh, yeah, I know I've heard it. Iguana's good. Alligator's pretty good. Oh, a five-pound lizard fits perfect on my trigger. So that's going to... Mm, I don't know. So... 
But just remember, these things they can they can adapt and they they learn. Apparently, if they're intelligent as they say they are, they'll figure out how to survive. So, if you see these things, the best thing to do is get kill it, call DNR, or if you don't feel like killing it, you know, keep it in a or try to drive it somewhere where it'll be in an area where they can come and get it, give it to them. Best thing to kill it and call them. But guys, I just want to throw this out there as a little short uh, bonus out here for y'all. I'm telling you. This is a very bad thing to have in our state. Any type of evasive animal or invasive or exotic species who's not from our area is not something that we want here. There's not much we can do as far as the feral hogs go because they reproduce so fast. And apparently these things can reproduce almost as fast as feral hogs. So, and now we have, uh, you know, the armadillos, they're doing their damage. I have found numerous burrows on my property. I'm trying to get rid of these stupid things. And now I got to deal with a damn big old lizard. So guys, take this in consideration. I know I stepped on some feet, pissed some people off. I don't care. Let's get rid of these things and do not allow them to become the reason that we wake up one day and there you don't hear Bob White's whistling in your yard anymore. Or you don't see any little turkeys running around in your fields, crossing the roads. I mean, and just remember, I know there's a lot of, I, I'm mentioning, you know, stuff that I have here on my property. You got to think, you have ducks, you have geese, alligators, turtles, tortoises, frogs. I mean, this thing will eat anything and get its mouth on, apparently. So, before you think, oh, yeah, we got a lizard here. Just remember, what you trade in. And for that, for having this lizard here has a potential to wipe out or really, I don't say wipe out completely, but really put a harm to the animals that's already here that you also love. So be aware of it. Hope you guys share this. I'm going to put all this information on the Bottom Dollar Outdoors website. Also on the Bottom Dollar Outdoors Facebook page. If you have any questions, rants, concerns, you hate me for this, you want to cuss me out. Send me an email. We'll talk about it. BottomDollarOutdoors at gmail.com. You can hit me up on Facebook at BottomDollarOutdoors. Give me on, or hell, I know a lot of you guys who are you know, animal rights people. You like Twitter. CatfishBrad864. I'd love to get those tweets. So, guys, have a good week. We will be back on Monday with another live podcast, hopefully. Uh, that went really well on Monday, so I'm going to do another one this Monday. Not quite sure what the topic is going to be on, but it, so far, it looks like it's going to be on using technology in hunting and fishing, you know, different different tech tools that you can use to make your adventures a little bit easier for you, do a little bit of pre-scouting before you go, and make the outdoors a little bit more enjoyable for you. So again, God bless every one of y'all. God bless the United States. Y'all have a wonderful weekend.